Hey there, friends. It's Nick. Quick podcast today because I've got a busy, a busy day. Um, but I wanted to read you the first couple of paragraphs of the novel that I'm reading at the moment. I'll read them first of all, and then I'll talk about what, what the novel is. Maybe you'll recognize them. The house was on Dresden Avenue in the Oak Knoll section of Pasadena. A big, solid, cool looking house with burgundy brick walls, a terracotta tile roof and a white stone trim. The front windows were leaded downstairs. Upstairs windows were of the cottage type and had a lot of Rococo imitation stonework trimming around them. From the front wall and its attendant flowering bushes, a half acre or so of fine green lawn drifted in the gentle slope down to the street, passing on the way an enormous deodar around which it flowed like a cool green tide around a rock. The sidewalk and the parkway were both very wide, and in the parkway were three white acacias that were worth seeing. There was a heavy scent of summer on the morning, and everything that grew was perfectly still in the breathless air they get over there on what they call a nice, cool day. Okay, so this is actually the first two paragraphs of The High Window, which is the third P.I. Philip Marlowe book written by Raymond Chandler. It, I think in a the mid-40s, I think, when Chandler was about, I don't know, 54, 55, something like that. And there's a couple of things I want to say about this. First of all, this is quite a lot of description to start a book, but it's all kind of paid for up front with the first two words, the house. The house was on Dresden Avenue. And the reason that matters is because, as we've talked about before, when we're telling a story... You know, one of the reasons that story is such an effective form of communication is because it's like streamed line reality. You know, in reality, our brains are doing the work to find out the things that are relevant and constructing a nar narrative from the things that it thinks that are relevant in every moment. But in a story, one of the kind of the implicit promises of a story is that every, everything that's in it is kind of relevant. And here, right at the very start of the novel, we are jumping into what feels like the middle of a conversation. The house was on Dresden Avenue. We already know that the house is going to be important in this story. And of course, because we all also know that this is Marlowe, the private investigator, narrating to us, we know that when he talks about the, you know, the half acre of fine green lawn, or the enormous deodar, which I actually had to look up. I haven't heard that word before, but it's a, a big tree like a cedar or something, I think, or a conifer. So we have a big tree with the lawn, you know, passes and flows around like a cool green tide around a rock. And we can see that, that kind of image. And what, what Chandler is doing with this, it's really not just describing the house. He's describing the people that live inside the house. And Marlowe, of course, is about to knock on the door because there's someone on the other side of that door. He wants to offer him a job. And this is, if you like, this is the setup, right? This is the setup for the whole story. And what we're getting is something where the description is very straight. There's no metaphors in here, really, apart from, apart from the cool green tide around a rock. The description is very much a straightforward description of this house that is evidently owned by people who are very wealthy, living in Pasadena, a big house, all of that description about the acacias that were worth seeing. You know, that's, some, that's saying something, right? It's saying something about the people inside the house. And 
this is one of the things that's, that's so important when we're telling a story. All of the aspects of our story inform all of the other aspects, right? So when Marlowe walks into this house, even before we've met the people inside, even before we've heard a word from their lips, we understand something about them. He is going into a place where there is wealth. There is seriously wealth. And tomorrow, in the next short podcast, I'm just going to, as an alternative, I'm going to read the start of, of chapter three of this book, which describes Marlowe's office. And we can see how differently Chandler describes that space. And we draw some conclusions, right? Because in a story, what we're saying, the implicit promise is that everything we say is relevant. And it's one of the reasons why I might just have said this, but it's one of the reasons why so much business communication sucks, right? It's because so much of it is not contributing to the actual narrative. And the assumption is when we're reading a good story or watching a good story, that everything is kind of relevant. Yeah. In some way, everything is relevant. And, um, with business communication so often, we aren't getting that sense. We aren't getting that sense of kind of world building of everything being important. We're just getting whatever the management or whoever it is, the PR company thought they could get away with that week or thought that, you know, was trending that week. And you don't have that sense of world building of, you know, a kind of a central narrative to which everything is building. Anyway, that turned out not to be that short, but tomorrow's will be short. I promise. Thanks for listening. Remember your story can mean business. And if you're interested in digging deeper into that, search for story.business. Bye now.